Let us pray. God, our Creator, when you speak, there is light and life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may listen to one another, speak the truth in love, and bear much fruit in the service of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're, as John mentioned last week, we're going to be talking to John a lot, so it's this John right now. Uh, for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing uh, something a little bit more geared toward Advent. Uh, as opposed to just continuing uh, in the book of Acts and um, the spread of the gospel uh, by Paul. But today we wanted to talk about John the Baptist. Um, we were speaking a minute ago. He's one of the common threads that's in all four gospels. Um, John's gospel, the evangelist, kind of has his own theme. He goes kind of his own direction, uh, more from a uh, theological standpoint where the first three is there in the New Testament are synoptic and are more narrative. But John the Baptist is one common thread through all four of them, and he was the herald to prepare the way. Um, Isaiah spoke of one crying out in the wilderness. Uh, Malachi also made reference to it. And it's somebody we need to listen to and think about what he was doing. Um, next week, we'll talk about two sets of visitors to the newborn in that uh, we have the shepherds and the wise men. And then the following week, uh, the last Sunday in Advent, we will do the uh, that we've done before, Nine Lessons, Stringing Pearls. And because um, there are a lot of pearls to be taken, I know today they were doing uh, lessons and carols um, at the regular services, <clears throat> excuse me, and also the uh, day school will be doing their lessons and carols. But the traditional um, Nine Lessons and Carols that you hear on Sunday, on uh, not Sunday, on Christmas Eve, on NPR, um, do the traditional nine carols that are um, from King's College. And we, when John and I do it, we use the traditional nine and go through them because there are a lot of pearls to be had. But so today, wanted to talk about John the Baptist. And kind of at first, I want to read through, I'm going to read some in Luke and then get somebody to read in Matthew about the background of John, you know, why he came and whatnot, and then go to uh, the Gospel of John just to kind of work through what the evangelist John has to say about John the Baptist in that first chapter of the Gospel of John, which is in itself one of those real pearls in and of itself. But looking in Luke chapter 1, and I want to start with verse... 13 in chapter 1, but a little background is that Zechariah, who was a priest, was doing duty. The priest rotated through in the temple um, and doing the sacrifices and doing the service, and it was his time. He, his lot had been drawn, and he was in praying for the, the crowd, and it's he was troubled when he saw an angel before him. And starting at verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer 
has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And then looking over at 39, verse 39, and for, and this was after Elizabeth uh, had been conceived and uh, or John had Mary, uh, Elizabeth was uh, with child. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? Now if someone, it's kind of long, but if they'd be kind enough to read Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Okay, thanks, John. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance that he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And God tried to, and John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Thank you. Now let's flip over to the Gospel of John chapter 1. And I want to read four verses, but they're not connected. So um, we'll start and read six, well, it's five verses, six through eight, and then 14 and 15. But John chapter 1, verse, starting at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. And then flipping over to uh, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He, come, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John's name, as we were reading in Luke, has to do with being signified as gracious. And John had been filled with the Spirit and had been commissioned by God. You know, from the very first, when Zechariah was told that even though they were an older couple and his wife would bear him a son, he was told what that son would do, what he was for, what the purpose was. And so John, as he grew up at a point in time, moved forward in fulfilling that commissioning. And so he was out there, he was doing, you know, he was sent from God. Um, in Malachi, as I mentioned before, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And so this is the messenger that was being sent, that was to come before, that was to cry out. You know, he was only a man. Whereas who he was coming before to talk about was the word made flesh there in verse 14. So he speaks there that he bore witness about one who came before him because the word, as we read always in John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, the word was with God and the word was God there at the beginning. So John is telling people he's not the one, but I am bearing witness to, I am preparing and that was part of his testimony. He was making people aware that the light was coming. It's kind of like a night watchman at a certain point in time. While they cry out during the night at various times, they also let people know they would have cried out its first light. The first light's about 30 minutes before sunrise, but he lets people know what's happening. Well, that's what John was doing. He was letting people know to be ready because the light's coming. And, you know, he told them very clearly, I'm not the one, but I want you to look past me and look toward him. And they did that by 
you know, coming out to see him. And he did what he was told there in uh, 15. You know, he bore witness. Uh, that was what he was to do. That He was doing what he was called to do. And he was filled with the Spirit. That's exactly what uh, Zechariah was told by the angel, that he would be filled with the Spirit. And so John was out there, whereas the Old Testament prophets would have cried out and told people to look at their sin. John, as a New, New Testament prophet, was calling them to look forward to the light, you know, because the world was in darkness. And so John was calling something different, but he was crying out. That's what prophets did. They cried out. They, it was public. Now, John um, you know, wasn't in Jerusalem. A lot of the prophets in the Old Testament weren't in Jerusalem, but they were out, and they cried out to get Israel to see their sin. And obviously they didn't see it. They looked beyond it. And so God's messenger and the son of Jesus had to come, but the witness to bear light to that is John. He had to give people um, the idea, but John makes sure that people understand that he is not the one. He came as a prophet of the Most High, whereas Jesus was the Most High. His message was a minister, if you will, of the New Testament, whereas Jesus was the mediator. So John is doing that witnessing to make sure that they, the people of Israel, are ready, that they are prepared for what is about to come. Um, you know, Christ, as the flesh, was before, excuse me, John the Baptist in, in flesh was before Christ in, in that he was a man. He was about three and a half months older. They were cousins. Now, John being was probably filled with the Holy Spirit initially when Mary walked in to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house and John leaped within her womb. And Elizabeth also knew that something was different about Mary coming and that Mary was pregnant with her Lord. So John at that point received something, let's say, from the Holy Spirit that he was then aware that he was in the presence of his own Lord. But he was born first, so John as flesh was before Christ. But John was not there in the beginning as Christ was in the deity of Christ and God. And so the word was before John, and that's what he was saying. He was before me. He's greater than me because he was before me. You know, his seniority. He was first, so he's first. Um, and so he tried to make sure. Yes. Um, something Steve said just a minute ago reminded me of something that we had read a few weeks ago. Um, John was at great pains to emphasize that he was not the one. 
that the one who came after him, his sandals, he was not fit to untie or to carry. But there were there was a, a tendency in the early church to worship John, and we saw it. We saw direct evidence of it back in Acts 18, when um, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus, and he met Paul. And it said, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. That is, he only, all he really knew about Jesus was that he had been baptized by John. And most of his Christology was about John the Baptist. And that, I think, is one of the reasons when John wrote his gospel, he, he emphasized he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light. And um, that's just an interesting little tidbit. It's not surprising that in the early church, without a canon to turn to, without creeds, um, that the early church would have little pockets of believers who believed all the wrong, you know, in all in all good faith, but without the proper information. And and so in in a very kind of a quiet way, these two uh, disciples, Priscilla and Aquila, took this Apollos aside and explained to him what the real gospel was. And then Apollos became one of the one of the great um, people, men of the church. Anyway, just... Yeah, exactly. If someone would be kind enough to read in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 28. John, yeah. Okay, thanks, Mike. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent... Is this right? Yes. All right. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me. The strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptized. Thank you. You know, this is where we were talking in Matthew, or reading in Matthew a while ago, that many saw him, and the Pharisees came out to ask him questions. Well, those were the people that were sent out from the Jews. He was, John was in the wilderness. He was not in Jerusalem. They probably didn't want to call him into Jerusalem to quiz him because it would cause an uproar because part of what they wanted to do was just silence him and show where he was wrong. But they came out to him, and they were quizzing him. Now, the, it, it was proper for priests to come out because 
John the Baptist was from the seed of Aaron. And as such, that was the priestly tribe. And he, it would be appropriate for priests to quiz another priest and not for just a common person. And so they came out. Um, you know, they were, the Sadducees that came out were coming because they wanted to protect themselves. They were the protectors of the faith, if you will, and wanted to see. The Pharisees, uh, because of their sin and their, uh, their strict adherence, tried to keep from sinning, uh, wanted to see what was going on and quizzed. And, you know, when they came to him, um, you know, they were concerned about the status quo because a lot of people were listening to what John had to say and the light that was coming. Now, where he was uh, there, it says he took place in Bethany across the Jordan. So he was a distance from Jerusalem. And Bethany is approximately the place where Joshua led the Israelites into the Holy Land. So... You know, he was at a place that had significance to the Israelites, but he was still outside of Jerusalem, which is typical for a prophet. It was kind of dangerous for him to go there. And, you know, but they wanted to know. There was jealousy on their part. They were concerned about what his intent was, you know. Um, to, his ministry didn't really agree with Moses and who they were, and it's, you know, what was he doing? He was speaking uh, there in um, verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Not all Jews, but just all. So that right there was a little problematic for him. And so, you know, they had to kind of get a handle on this and stop him from doing that. They were trying, as I said, to ask questions to discredit him. You know, they asked him, who are you? They asked pretty simple questions. Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am not the Christ. He's telling them who he's not. You know, he knows why they're out there. He knows what they're up to. And he tells them, I'm not the Christ. Yeah. Well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? The Jews thought that Elijah would be coming back because he was carried into heaven on a chariot of fire. And so they were prepared mentally for a return of Elijah. Now what had Zechariah been told about him? In verse 16 of Luke chapter 1, and he will turn... Wait a minute. Let's turn it. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Not as Elijah, but in the spirit of what they saw Elijah would be doing, or what they thought Elijah would be doing. It would be that spirit, the, the, the idea of what Elijah would be doing. Yes, sir. I have a question about that passage. Um, when the angel of the Lord is talking to Zechariah and, and foretelling the birth of John the Baptist, and yeah. says he will, says he must not 
drink wine or strong or strong liquor, whatever. Right. And he will do all these other things. Right. So the, the word maybe translation a translation issue, but the word must. It sounds like that's an instruction to the parents rather than a prophecy. And I'm just sorry. Well, he's being told how to raise him. Zechariah and Elizabeth are being told how to raise John and what his purpose is. And, you know, and if you look and see what, you know, told what he ate, he was uh, in Matthew in sackcloth and he ate, or not sackcloth, camel hair, and he ate locusts and honey. Now, locust is a desert locust, and it's a, to us it'd be an oversized grasshopper, which is typical even in that today for the poorer people to eat things like that. So, you know, he was talking to... Leighton Wilson is wearing a camel hair. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have wild honey for breakfast? Uh, no, I did not this morning. And no birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's prophesying he's going to do all these things. <coughs> he already knows he's going to do all these things. His father does. Zacharias does. Oh, well, angel Lord, angel Lord is telling him, right. And he says, here's what's going to happen. Now, he can't do this, but here's what's going to happen. So it, it's, 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 well, you know, it, it's some of it evolves. He's being told what his purpose is going to be in life. But it's not going to happen immediately, but we want you to train him in this way. I have, I think I know why you're asking that, Frank. Um, does it have something to do with, with the fact that a lot of um, Christians don't drink alcohol? No, no, no. It's not, it's not that. that. It's just to me, it's a question of a prophecy. This is what's going to happen. You can't do that, but this is what's going to happen. And so, and so my thought is a prophecy. Why would they say it's, it's going to happen if there's anything you can do to stop it from happening? So, I mean, just like this is what's going to happen. Here's my guess. <laughs> it's small. Um, Jesus called John the greatest of the prophets, and he was definitely in the fashion of the Old Testament prophets. And the Old Testament prophets were different. They they looked, they acted different. Everything about them was, and, and we spoke about this a few weeks ago when one of the uh, when, when one of the, uh, uh, the the people who met Paul on the way to Jerusalem bound up his hands and his feet with Paul's belt as a way of of demonstrating in a sort of an Old Testament prophet sort of way, demonstrating what Paul could expect. I think that the prophets did things that were very demonstrative. Certainly John the Baptist was. He he lived out in the wilderness and he wore camel hair and he, and he ate strange things. And he preached in a way that was very Old Testament, you know, fire and brimstone. And it may be, you know, as I read that, it was sort of an admonition to Elizabeth and to Zacharias to raise up their son to to understand those differences, to not blend in. You know, it was everybody drank wine. I don't know about liquor. I don't know what liquor they had to drink, but but he was to be different. And we don't know anything about John before he was out in the wilderness after his 
you know, his birth in Luke when he was born and, and when his father could speak. But that's what I think that was getting at. They, they were being told to raise him up to understand that he was special, he was different, he was a prophet. And, and, he, and he wasn't going to become a priest exactly like his father was, which would be the normal course for him to have followed. I don't question any of that. I'm just saying the word must. Here's the, you know, man, why don't you answer the question you thought I was going to ask? Is, is this a condemnation of alcohol? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, there are too many other places in the, in the scriptures where, well, water and the wine is, you know, yeah. and, and then the and then the Last Supper. Um, there are too many, um, there are too many contrary uh, readings on that. Now, I, I think that really the admonition against drinking comes from Paul's letters where he warns against drunkenness, and and that that is one of the one of the uh, the sins of the flesh that Paul writes about. A long list, but drunkenness is one of them. I think that's what. Also on this subject, uh, as I recall, it's mentioned that in the Bible that uh, because of the impure uh, water that was not available in a lot of places in the uh, Holy Land, that people were required to drink uh, wine uh, in place of water because the water was not pure. That's I've heard that outside. Um, and of course the wine that they had back then is wasn't near as uh, I mean what's wine now 12-14% it was a lot less it was a lot weaker than that but in any case moving forward so he told them he wasn't Elijah are you the prophet now there what they were really asking is they also thought there would be somebody coming back and saying Elijah is coming to then tell us about the Messiah coming that one of the other prophets um, would exist. So that's what that question is. And he says no. And then they ask him, who are you? We've got to go back to Jerusalem and we've got to give them an answer. We can't just come back. We've got to tell them something. Who are you? And when I was, got to this point, you know, they've been asking simple questions and John's response is, you know, I'm the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. That was from chapter 40 that John was uh, talking about earlier. And as I thought about this, I thought about the Jack Nicholson character in A Few Good Men where Tom Cruise has him on the stand and he's quizzing him and Cruise goes, I want the truth. And Nicholson's response is, you can't handle the truth. Well, the priests here, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't have, they couldn't have handled the truth because they've been warned about it for a whole long time. And so with John telling them really why it was there and drawing little pictures to make it easy for them to understand, they couldn't have dealt with it. So he gives them just a straightforward answer. You know, I'm the one crying out in the wilderness. And then the Pharisees ask him, well, then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? You know, what gives you um, the right to do this? What's the purpose in it? What are you doing? 
And John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even one who comes after me. And what he's telling them is, I'm just doing an outward sign. I'm trying to get people ready. I mean, repent. And what he was asking them to do is turn around. Do something different than what you've been doing. And so we even talk about, even in our own baptisms, that it is an outward sign. And John was saying, you know, I just do it with water, but there's a greater baptism coming. And you've got to be ready for that. And it's coming real soon because he's standing here. You know, a crowd is out there. I mean, it's not just this delegation from Jerusalem that's showing up and John talking to them. There are other people out there because they were coming daily. And so the one, you know, he wanted them to know it's, it's not tomorrow. It's not the day after. It's not next month, next year, next decade. The one who's coming stands here. You need to be ready, guys. And so then looking, and if someone would finish up reading uh, verse 29 through 34, that's not the end of the chapter, but if someone could be kind there. Um, okay, thanks, Dan. John 29 through 34? Yes. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for his purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from the from heaven like a dove and it remained on him I myself did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me he on whom you will see the spirit descend and remain that is he who baptized with, baptizes with the Holy Spirit and I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God thank you you know so Jesus comes out and while John would have known from a very early age that this cousin of his wasn't just some boy cousin, he was somebody special, but it took the point of Jesus coming forward. And at that point, John fully appreciated that the person he'd known as Jesus, who was a cousin, is that witness, is that light that he had been witnessing to. And he had been told that when this dove comes down from heaven and remains there, that is the one. So at that moment, any, any doubt that he may have had, and not just what, what he was doing, because I don't think he doubted that, but that Jesus was the one, was removed. I mean, he saw it. He saw what happened. You know, Jesus came down and, you know, he had told the um, Pharisees that, you know, he wasn't even worthy 
to take his sandals off and wash his feet. And in Jewish society then, that was a non-Jewish function. That was a slave's function to remove the sandals and wash the feet of a visitor. And John is saying, I'm not even worthy to do that. He is so much greater. Yes, I'm a Jew. Yes, he came as a Jew, but I'm not worthy to do it. And so, and then even when Christ came, when we read back in, I guess it was Matthew, he wasn't worthy. Here, John the evangelist doesn't bring that out. Jesus did it, uh, John did it, and the dove came down. And at that point, John knew, and he's saying, I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You know, a lamb, you know, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb, as we've talked many a time and know, was a sacrificial offering. And it was more or less, the lamb was, there were various sacrifices of different animals, but the one that was the most prominent was that of a lamb. So we have the Lamb of God, God's own lamb, his own son is here who takes away the sins of the world. You know, it, it's, it's that atonement that we get through his death for ourselves. And so then the Spirit comes down and John fully knows. And uh, I, I have a time Cindy brought me from the um, National Cathedral when she had her fifth graders up there one year. And it's the dove coming down, so I thought that was kind of appropriate for today. It's not the Christmas tie I planned to wear, but after I read through this, I decided I needed to make a change. Um, wardrobe change. <laughs> but the, you know, the important thing was John the Baptist was out there trying to prepare people for what was about to happen. He was telling them to repent. Many came to repent. The Jewish leaders and priests were getting a little concerned because so many were coming. And then Christ came. And then look what happens the next day in verse 35. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him, say this, and they followed Jesus. So while they had been disciples of John's, they didn't remain like many did. They go, that's who you've been talking about. I'm going. And they went. They had really, you know, that's two people that heard what John had been saying, had been interested enough to be a follower, and then departed because John had told them, that's him. In the Jewish uh, teaching, did Lamb of God mean Messiah? It didn't mean Messiah. It, it, it had the same connotation, yeah. So he was saying to his these two men standing with him, Behold, uh, this is the Messiah, essentially. That's the promised one. Well, thank y'all. Next week we will talk about visitors to the newborn. Thank you. Have a great week.